0: This is a show where expats get together and talk on the internet. We're here today with Tone Perignon. Did I say that right? Yeah. I go by Tone Twisted now, but yeah. Tone Twisted. Okay. And can you tell us a bit about yourself?
1: Yeah. So my name is Tone. I'm 26 years old from suburbs of Detroit, Michigan. And um, currently back in the states but has spent the last four years really um, exploring all that Shanghai and you know greater China has to offer they're really exp- they are really um got involved in music and fashion and directing. Um, and now I've opened up my my entertainment and talent agency to continue doing so internationally connecting artists, Um, from all over the globe, but specifically working with artists, labels, fashion brands and entities in China, in the US and kind of being the bridge between the two.
0: Okay, cool. So what brought you over to China in the first place? Like, why did you go there as opposed to anywhere else? Originally just came there to visit.
1: (laughs) Um, my, my My parents were working in Shanghai. And as soon as I graduated from college, I came out to China just to visit for a month and you know before I knew it I had a teaching job (laughs) like in the first I don't even know like two or three weeks I wasn't even planning to stay I was just going to be there for a couple months to just check things out and ended up staying you know just got locked in.
0: Okay so I met your parents before over there in Shanghai and they maybe you don't want to talk about them too much I don't know their privacy and all but they're kind of similar to my parents because my, my folks were also expats and in the same industry as well. Uh, also lived in Shanghai um, for a few years uh, working over there. Nice. And so, what was that like, like having that family connection in this foreign country?
1: It was good um, just because I would say I didn't have the best relationship with my parents, like around that time, at least like when I was in university. So it was really like an opportunity for us to kind of like remend some things together. So I actually like really appreciate that time um, being abroad because we're all in a very unfamiliar space. So it like kind of forced us to be closer together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did you live with them when you were over there? Like in the same household? Yeah.
1: Yeah. At first I did, and then I moved out eventually.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm living with my in-laws right now. A bit of a different game, but it kind of, I don't know. I feel like, I kind of feel like a kid if I'm living with my parents. That's kind of how I feel. So it's always good to to get out and escape. But, you know, it's nice to spend time together. And especially like a lot of expats, they go over abroad. They, you know, they don't see their family for years sometimes.
1: Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a huge thing. It was nice having that support system there too, you know. So it wasn't like I was there completely by myself. Even though, like, <laughs> mind you, there once I really got into the scene and started doing my thing, like I really wasn't even home that much anyway. Yeah. Um, it didn't it didn't have much interactions with them, but you know, still knowing that they were there
0: was 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 good. All right. So, tone twisted, uh, you basically got into the music industry in china but were you doing music before you went over there
1: yeah so that's actually like how i was even able really to brand and market myself when i got out there i had started taking music seriously like my sophomore year of college um that's when i like released my first mixtape and really started working with a bunch of different producers and um started to get a little bit of internet clout so um had I was even featured in like the, the Detroit Metro Times as like one of the you know top artists to look out for, and um, Cornell University. They wrote an article about me as well, um, on the Cornell Daily Sun, talking about, you know, the things that I was doing there. So by the time I got to China, I already had like a pretty solid Google presence. <laughs> I was Googleable, like I had a whole page. So that was really um, beneficial for me just as far as marketing was concerned um, when I got out to China. Cause obviously like that's what they're looking for. They want to see the profile. They want to see what you've been able to do. They want to see the numbers, you know? So um, that really helped like propel me, I would say in the industry once I, once I got out there.
0: Uh, could you so this is some advice
1: to all other oh. artists? I'm sorry. This is just, just advice to all artists in general. So I'll give you all some free advice as I would give um, as consultation and even the services that I offer is just that, you know, uh, having that that profile, whether it's a website or Instagram or even um, like a, a PDF that kind of consolidates all of that information in one place, it's extremely beneficial for promoting yourself as an artist and um, presenting yourself in a very easy way, like in one in one area for a venue or an entity or what have you, for the, for them to go ahead for them to go ahead and check you out, and it certainly will set you apart from the rest, even if. You don't have like a really strong social media presence. This is just a tip and a trick for those out there that are trying to, you know, put themselves out there.
0: All right. How would you describe your music, like genre wise or influences, that kind of stuff?
1: Damn, I have so many influences. Like um, I was just chatting with a young homie of mine who's just getting into music. And I was explaining to him, like the importance of like Memphis 90s trap um well now we would call it trap but at that time i would say that it it was like the uh the progenitors of what we consider to be like trap music today juicy J, three six mafia um project pat these these guys they're like a huge influence on me as far as production is concerned not so much lyrical content they're a bit darker than i but i just really really love what they've done for the culture um I was a huge fan of currency growing up in like Wiz Khalifa cuz like that's the era that I really got interested in rap like in the like I would say the early 2010s, so 2000 well, kind of before then. So maybe let's say like 08 09 is when I really got into hip hop and that's when I was in middle school. Um so there are huge influences on me as well. But also being from Detroit uh, I really love techno music and electronic music in general. So, I would say that my music is a it's a combination of all of my influences. Um, but I really like the the bridge or the coupling of electronic music and hip hop.
0: Yeah, because I listen to some of your new stuff. It it doesn't have like that kind of generic hip hop sound that that a lot of people have. It definitely is special, and it, it's got I mean, from my opinion, it's got like a bit of a dubstep style to it—not like Skrillex dubstep, but like kind of some elements of that that in there. Word,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. There's definitely some 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 dubstep elements in there when it comes to the production. Both of those producers, um, from the from the work that I've sent you, they started off doing dubstep and like EDM exclusively, and then they've kind of transitioned into more
0: experimental forms of the of the like. Okay. And how about China itself? Did that how did that influence your music?
1: China was the first opportunity for me like as an artist to really be in like state of the art studios. Um and <laughs> and that were affordable just because you know the price like I was in million dollar studios in China like paying nothing literally or if I actually did have to pay maybe like 20 or $30 an hour. Whereas here in the United States, you're paying hundreds of dollars an hour to record in studios of of that caliber. So it was really my, China in many ways, as far as me being an artist was just a way for me to really experiment and see like what I really wanted to do and actually like live that lifestyle, I would say as an artist really getting into, like, like I said, recording in professional studios, um, doing shows on a consistent basis, performing in front of thousands of people. You know, I wouldn't have had these same opportunities had I been back in the States, just given um, my background, you know, at that time. So it really just gave me a platform to to really explore and just see what, see what this whole rapper thing had to offer, basically.
0: So there's there's all sorts of, tropes and stereotypes with people in the music industry and they they get really big and their their head gets really big did you have any moments like that where your head maybe got too big oh for sure When you're coming for up sure. and all that yeah
1: for sure for sure just because like you get to you get to a point where like you're you're known you know what i mean and then and then you just get like a little big-headed like for example uh arkham RIP Arkham you know what I'm saying but I was like I did like a pretty big promotional um like marketing campaign for Arkham in the early stages and even did like I headlined a few shows there and put on a bunch of like you know underground artists in China so like it should have just been like the tone show but actually like I had like two hours of opening I just put everybody in the city on that that I fuck with um and that was cool, but it came to a point where like I'm trying to like get into Arkham, and these people definitely know who I am because I have a pretty recognizable face. No one really looks like me in general. Uh, and every time that I would try to get in the club, they would like hassle me, and be like, "Oh, like you know, where's your where's your ticket? Where?" And then and then I, and it's just like, "Yo, like I have the manager's number. Like you want me to call him? I have to physically call this person every time or text somebody to let me in." So I would just get pissed off, like. At a certain point just like who the fuck do you think you are type shit but you know that definitely uh but yeah
0: <laughs> so to back up a bit could you explain for the audience what arkham is so arkham
1: is one of the i would say like foundational clubs in shanghai as far as the underground hip-hop community is concerned so it recently closed due to covid and um about two years ago they had relocated to a new facility. And practically like every major um foreign hip hop event is hosted there at Arkham. So they've had ASAP Rocky, ASAP Ferg, um Ray Shrimmer, Thundercat, uh Father, Lil Yachty. Um, you know, like the list goes on. So like practically every major artist um rap artist that comes through Shanghai has done a performance there at
0: Arkham. They never booked Riff Raff over there? I think they
1: may have. I think they may have booked Riff Raff in the past. I can't remember. I definitely wasn't in attendance though, if that was the case. Okay.
0: All right, and then Arkham, it's it has hip hop, but it's also like a lot of EDM music. Is that like a place you party a lot as well? Not just like perform.
1: Uh I don't really like to party in Arkham. Arkham, they bring out a certain crowd, which I would say is like the cool hype beast, like kind of wannabes. Yeah. Uh, so as far as like partying and wanting to be around, like the people that go to Ark- Arkham ain't even really trying to party. Like they're just trying to fit in. <laughs> like they're just trying to be be hip. Like I remember I got invited to this uh, nylon event and which is a fashion magazine here i'm not sure if it's based in the states or it's based in europe or not but i know they have like a nylon uk nylon us etc but nylon did an event um and they invited me and i invited some of my friends so not only was i like the only black person and my homie is the only black but they were the only foreigners that were in attendance um and it was completely packed and they invited a bunch of KOLs, which is key opinion leader which is like a chinese influencer uh so I'm I'm technically a KOL as well, right? So they invited me and a bunch of others to this event. And the artist was Princess Nokia, who ironically I had seen. And like, I was this close to chilling with her like when I was in college because she and some other artists came and performed um, and did a small concert. And I got to hang out with these artists afterwards. But I remember that she was one of the the artists there. I hadn't heard of her before then. But anyway, she's there performing and the crowd was just so stale like I'm telling you like not one person was bobbing their head like not not even not even people were like I, I don't expect them to dance but like at least move a little bit like everyone was just like trying to be cool and like they probably were taking more pictures of themselves than they were of the concert you know like at least in today's day and age like you know you'll see kids like with their phones up at a concert just recording the whole thing right but that wasn't even really the case and mm-hmm. The artist felt the energy, you know, because like during the show, she like shouted out like me and my homie. She's like, yo, shout out to the only black people in the crowd. (laughs) And then like uh, and she ended up she ended up ending her set early just because that energy wasn't there. And I chatted with her like after the show and she was just expressing like, you know, how she really didn't feel it. And the thing was, is that like even though she like stopped her show abruptly, like people were like so not into it or just so not involved they didn't even realize like what 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 was happening just assumed that you know it was normal and her set was over but me like obviously I knew like okay she's just fed up and she entered her set early like in the middle of a track and just walked off the stage so I would say like a lot of uh a lot of artists that come into Shanghai like if they're not properly informed about what to expect in China you know they may it may rub them a wrong way which is why many artists, like they, uh, you know, they have a, they have a not so savory experience and, you know, they communicate that to other artists, which then, you know, influences their decisions to go out there as well. So that's what I kind of saw a gap in, which is why, like I tried to really link up with these artists and it gave me a interesting and a unique, um, gave me a unique opportunity to kind of be that person that, would chill with these foreign artists and expose them and introduce them to the right folks so that they actually do have like a good time and they actually can go back and, you know, spread more positivity about what's going on so that more artists will feel comfortable about actually traveling and doing shows and, you know, conducting business in China in general.
0: That's a real part of performing Yeah. If you're doing music, you need you need that energy from the crowd, right? Or else it just doesn't feel right. It's a fact, yo. Yeah. Fortunately how, for me, I haven't had
1: that, you know, uh, I've, <laughs> I've, I got a lot of like positive response from the
0: from the crowd. And you I mean, I'm sure you're quite interactive, right? Do you like if is that part of it? Like you kind of mo- stimulate those people to get more involved. I got a lot of energy, bro. Like,
1: so I feel like that's what I really am able to to exude on the stage because um, it's like people may not even know what the hell I'm talking about, but they can vibe with it. And they can get down with like my energy and my passion. And I like to jump in the crowd like I'm not I, I never did like a uh what do they call that stage dive? Not <laughs> not necessarily, but literally jump in the crowd like during a song and just rap in front of people, like rap in their face.
0: So you never run crushed, around. You never crush like a little Chinese girl like jumping. No, in oh, Okay. no, just just their hearts, but not their <laughs> All right. So uh, you know working in China in the music industry, you, you met a lot of foreign artists, but did you did you work with many people who are Chinese in in the hip hop scene over there? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, very, very, very closely actually. that's 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 who I work with you know on a daily basis. I'm working on a deal right now with a, with a pretty prominent Western artist and a Chinese record label. So just trying to like iron out the details of that particular deal.
0: You collaborate with a lot of Chinese rappers, like on on tracks and all that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, I have a couple. Well, I have one track with the artist named Mengshu, who is like one of the one of the. He was a contestant on the last season of Rap of China, and that was it. Was the track was uh, produced by my homie Kino Beats, who I met in China, who's a prolific producer. He's done work for a bunch of different artists like Lo Uzi. Dej Loaf, ASAP Rocky, uh, OG Mako, like the list goes on. Um, Met him out in China because he was doing his tour. We just became homies. Uh, We have some crazy ass stories together Um, and ended up taking him to a studio one night, linked up with uh, some buddies of mine who owned a management company and we just laid it down and made it happen. And then about two years later, finally, the track came out like on Shu's debut album. So. I was like pretty happy to be featured on that, on that particular song. Um, And I definitely, and I have another song that has yet to be released, which I know is gonna be a smash hit with the artist named Dobie. Um, And in that song, like I'm singing the hook and also have like a short refrain at the end that I sing. But yeah, I I love collaborating with Chinese artists and what I like to do in the future is like do more hooks in general. I'm just like I love, I love, I love melody. And I, I think that's one of the the things that um is my forte. I'm definitely a lyricist, but I've kind of like mastered the the formula behind writing a catchy hook. So that's what I like to do in the future is either like sing my own hooks or just write the hooks and you know sell them to another artist and you know kind of uh A and R the track for them basically.
0: Ooh. now hip-hop is obviously like a black American creation and i'd say some people get territorial about the music and the culture mm. And when somebody you know let's I mean obviously there's a lot of white rappers right and and you know maybe maybe they had some hard times you know being taken seriously
1: mm. how about that
0: how, how how about the black community and uh you know Chinese hip-hop is there any conflict culturally uh, for me personally,
1: I don't have any conflict with anybody that chooses to use hip hop as the the platform or the conduit to express themselves. I think that is great. Um, I was talking with a homie the other day that hip hop is about authenticity and not ethnicity.
0: Okay, that's cool.
1: So it's like as long as you're like uh, as long as you're really being you, like you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty clear. It's obvious from the music like we can we can tell you know from the song from from the the way that the artist you know chooses to express themselves on like social media or what have you you know we can really we can see that authenticity. So I I believe anyone you know has the right to do it and and it was a collaborative effort, you know because it is a quote unquote black and brown art form that was started in you know the Bronx in New York City, but it was a way to unify people. You know, a lot of folks don't realize that, is that hip-hop's inception, during hip-hop's inception inception was actually a a truce between multiple gangs in New York. So it was bringing youth together and finding um, more creative ways uh, of, of expression. And instead of, like, you know, gang wars and physical violence, we decided to do, like, dance battles and ciphers and graffiti battles I mean graffiti competitions that is and you know to see who's the best at, at this particular sport right which is hip-hop um so i just feel like even in the early stages it was always about bringing folks together and, and expression so it's beautiful when I see China um and other nations around the world adopt hip-hop and then like fully make it their own so since it's so new in china like in the early stages, because hip hop really became mainstream um, in 2017 during the first season of The Rap of China, which uh, I believe in the first four minutes of the show, it got about like 400 million viewers. And within the first month, there was about a billion viewers that had seen the show. So mind you, before this hip hop was not mainstream in China at all. So this was probably the first time that a billion people had any exposure to hip hop before and afterwards it just kind of blew shit up um, in China as far as the the widespread mainstream appeal is concerned.
0: Can you explain so- Rap China like a little bit more like I mean, I think yeah. a lot of people who live there know what that is, but yeah, maybe for the audience who, who don't.
1: For those that don't know, maybe you're familiar with the show called Rhythm and Flow, which I believe was on Netflix a few years ago. Uh, but that show was actually like almost directly inspired by Rap of China, um, which was directly inspired by a Korean show called Show Me the Money.
0: And what it is is, is
1: just a hip hop rendition of American Idol, essentially.
0: Yeah, And then Scott, who's Chris Wu? Is he one of the judges? There? Chris Wu is one of
1: the the major judges, and um, at that time, um, MC Hotdog and MC Jin. MC Jin is a is a character that a lot of like classic hip hop heads will know because he was the only Chinese cat that was on like BET back in the day.
0: Like, oh yeah, that cyphers. was that was when I was in high school. It was like yeah. that song. You gotta speak Chinese or something, or.
1: Yeah, MC Jin is like, he's an OG, like, you know, and like you said, the real ones know who MC Jin is. So yeah. it was cool for him to kind of
0: have a resurgence in the industry yeah. as far as that's concerned. Yeah, MC Hot Dog, he's pretty, he's pretty old, right? Like, he's least, an older he's, cat, yeah, too. He's from Taiwan.
1: and Chris Wu's on the younger side. So it is also important to mention that almost all the judges there, they're like, they're not mainland um, Chinese so that's how they were able to kind of bring that special flair, I would say. And and that in itself kind of gives them a bit more authenticity just because like they had existed outside of the mainland for a particular amount of time. And they had that Western influence and they're able to kind of bring that flair into what they did, which definitely like helped them to stand out as
0: artists independently. And there, there were some guys who got big higher, the higher bros or the higher. Oh, yeah. Higher bro- yeah, and, higher bros. So I remember hearing about them before they made it big, and my friend was super into them. And then after they were on TV and they did all sorts of shows, they they were like promoting Harbin beer mm-hmm. and um, like at some esports competition. It was like this kind of weird mix up of brand collaboration. And do you is there like a trend of people you know selling out so to speak in China through through this uh, rap of China?
1: Uh, I mean, I guess if you want to, if you want to call it selling out, but yeah, like that's just, uh, it's just the name of the game. So in order for artists to make money in general, not even just in China, um, the majority of that money is going to come from touring and from endorsement deals. Very, very little money is actually made from, from album sales or from streaming. And specifically in China, there's no money to be made from streaming, um, so the only way that the artist can make money is by actually throwing shows or having some sort of endorsement. due. I believe they also did a commercial for Sprite? Um, yeah, you know. So, and I've done a I've done a lot of commercials for some pretty big name brands as well. So it's just a it's just the name of the game, you know. Especially if you want to make some residuals, because you know that you'll have that you'll be able to make that bread for however the you know the length of the contract is and. Also that just depends on whatever contract you end up signing. Cause I know some folks that have signed some like international like modeling deals or commercial deals and didn't know what they were getting themselves into and just like took a one time payment as um as opposed to actually going ahead and getting those royalties from, you know, the uh the spread of that particular commercial or or campaign.
0: Who'd you work with brand wise, like while well in China?
1: Uh, the biggest brand that I work with in China is Midea, which is like they make AC units. Oh yeah, My yeah. Midea, that was media. yeah. That was the biggest. That's the biggest brand I've worked with. I've worked with uh, with Nike China. I've worked with um, Adidas. I've worked with Reebok. I work with uh, New Balance, Mishka joy rich la um which is a u.s based brand but they have offices in china um yeah work i even i even was in a buick commercial for like yeah. a half a half a second but i was like casted as one of like the key foreigners in that commercial that was a long shooting yeah i'm trying to think yeah bro we've done a lot of, i've done a lot of different stuff um and vidal sassoon is what I did okay. like more more recently. Like I didn't even know what that brand was, but my mom told me it was popping like in the 80s.
0: Yeah, I remember that when I was a kid. My mom, that was definitely my mom's shower. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I mean, touring in China, you've you've probably done a lot of shows. Like what, what were some of the more interesting shows you did performing over there? Uh, one of the
1: more interesting shows was in Tibet. Yeah, so like, and that was just a crazy experience, just getting there. Like I was uh, I had to fly into Chengdu, which is a, for those that don't know, a city like in the west of China in the area called the Sichuan province. And there's areas of Chengdu that touch the autonomous region known as Tibet. And actually I had to like, it was like a 10 hour uh, car ride or an 8 hour car ride like through the mountains to get to Tibet. And it was the most dangerous like scariest shit I've ever experienced in my life because uh there's there are no railings at all whatsoever. It's only one one way. Like there's only there's only one one road, right? There's, there there aren't two two lanes, only one lane. And mm-hmm. my driver is speeding the entire way just brazenly bending every corner without hesitation uh so you never even know like what may come on the other on the other end of this of whatever the mountain is right i don't know shit so i'm just closing my eyes at this point and and a lot of a lot of foreigners that uh that have lived in china will also agree to this statement like sometimes it's just best not to even look at the road while you're in the car cuz you're going to be freaking out uh so that was scary and then like multiple times there were landslides on the way up there so we just yes. had to wait and just, we just had to wait for folks to go ahead and move the rocks out of the way. Finally got up there. Uh, it was so high up in altitude, I forget exactly how high it was, but I had to take medicine like for two weeks in preparation of that event just so that I can get used to the altitude. Um, but the the performance was, was absolutely amazing for me, an amazing experience, kind of going back to what we talked about before as far as the audience interaction is concerned. Uh, because this, by far, was like the most intimate um, relationship that I've ever had, like with the audience.
0: And so, so I was just gonna ask: Was it wasn't in Lhasa this this performance?
1: The the exact city I'm forgetting right now. I have to go through and and find it. But the name of the festival was called Yak, like Y A K, the Yak Music Festival. Okay. Um, And I was the first hip hop act to perform there, which was cool. And that kind of opened the door for more hip hop acts now. So now they book more hip hop acts um, after that particular performance. But it was just amazing, bro, because like these people, like, first of all, like they'd never seen a black person before in their lives. Like, I mean, and they're dark skinned, too. Like they're actually many of them darker than I. Um, But they'd never seen a quote unquote African-American before yeah. in their li- in their lives. So, so that was just huge. And then like after the performance, I have like a recording on my phone. And one time I was like watching it like about, about a year later, and I was just like in tears because like the energy was so thick in the air. And like there was a point when I was like, when I was either in between sets and I was speaking my limited Chinese and cracking some jokes with the people. And they just and just one person just screamed like, yo, I love you. And then it just and then it just was a chain reaction. And everyone was just like, Yo, I love you, I love you, why knee, why need!" And they were just like all clapping and 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 cheering. And and that was just like the most meaningful experience I've ever had in my entire life. Like knowing that these people, they never seen anybody to look like me. You know, they've they've and they're so open to what I have to offer and they're so open to the art, the art that I have to share. And, you know, and they're able to To express their gratitude and that was just like everything for me
0: cool now do you have any like beefs with people in china in the in the rap game in the rap game like i used to have i used to have beef with this one cat but i think we're
1: cool now because he like commented on one of my posts the other day (laughs) like not negatively you know so
0: subtle a subtle truce
1: there yeah maybe maybe we good you know maybe we could but it was but it really didn't have nothing to do with rap it had to do with girls <laughs> yeah had to do with girls but as far as the beef is concerned like no nah, I'm, I'm i'm pretty much cool with everybody
0: well you you mentioned before the show you're maybe not that cool with a guy who was on a couple episodes ago randy flag oh, youtube oh yeah
1: yeah what, what's that I'm, all about what's, I'm what's not, the problem I'm, with him I'm not I'm not cool with that dude, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not cool with that dude at all. And he knows what he knows what it is, you feel me? I was just actually ironically, I was I was uh listening to this song earlier by uh, these two rappers, Doughboy and uh Baby Smooth. Baby Smooth from Detroit, Doughboy from Cleveland. Um shout out to Midwest hip hop, it's just blowing up right now, like bigger than ever, I would say. Um, but anyway, like <laughs> one of the key bars in the song was just like, he was like, these niggas, he was like, these niggas ain't street. He's like, what do he say? Oh, he said, he said, these niggas ain't street. Like they went and blocked me on Instagram or something like that, basically. So, you know, I just, I don't, I don't have respect for people that like, that want to talk shit and then, and then block you. So that, you, <laughs> so that there's no way for you to have any sort of communication, um, about the particular incident. But basically this homie is just like, said a bunch of lies about me and my family and like posted that shit on YouTube to like gain clout. Uh basically because I didn't sign with his label like a year before then. So I guess he was like salty about it. And uh I, I wouldn't let him get on one of my tracks because his raps were really trash. It, and,
0: Randy like, I didn't, and I take didn't that personally we didn't talk about his music. And I'm neutral here. I, I I have no problem with Randy but you know I don't have that history you have with him. Uh but I guess if you're curious, check out Randy's old videos. I, I don't know where to find you know, I don't know how old that video nah, is. don't, yeah. don't
1: even su- don't even support Randy at all <laughs> don't, like don't watch none of his videos. Don't do nothing. like just leave him leave him be. I was right. and I, I thought I thought like long and hard about how I was going to address it in the video in this particular interview, but I guess, um, I'm gonna just leave it in the past and let it be. I don't want to talk talk too much shit, but. The homie is just on some on some fraudulent shit. You know what I'm saying? And and all I'll say is it's 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 no threat. I don't mean this by any means. It's not a threat at all. I'm just saying if he came to America with that shit, he would have a real it would it would be, you know, it'd be a big problem, you know. It'd be a big problem. We solve shit differently where I come from, you know. That's 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 all I'm saying. We don't hide behind the internet. And I don't have no respect for any grown man that hides behind the internet and tries to pick on young people, specifically folks that supposedly are the same, are from the same, you know, ethnic background as them. That's some real, that's some real ho-ass shit, for lack of a better term.
0: All right, we'll leave it there. But uh, Tone said, "Don't support Randy, but please support Expats on Air episode three featuring Randy Flagg. You can check that episode out. See for yourself. You know what this guy's all about and everything." All right, well, that's that's cool. We don't need to talk more about that. Um, but just just to kind of stay in this this kind of negative territory, um, a video went viral in China that had you in it, and it has nothing to do with your music, and. Um, I was, I remember it was a couple years ago. I was on WeChat and I, and I saw like these memes going into these groups and it looked like you, it was like, is that tone? And I didn't really know what it was all about. And then eventually I say this video and it was kind of crazy. And there's just a lot of people laughing it up. And um, would you mind if we played it just so we can give some context? Cause I mean, I definitely want you to share your side of the story and clear up. Cause I mean, there's a lot of rumors about what was going on here and you know, of course, you know the truth, you know the the real story. Could we watch it though, or was it something you don't want to experience again?
1: I rather not watch it.
0: All right, you know. i
1: rather not watch it and what I'll say about it is because I also thought about this too, as far as like how much detail I want to go into it. Okay. Um, but essentially what happened is is a huge miscommunication. <laughs> and that's all. There's a huge miscommunication and it was something that was taken completely out of context and in which, uh you know, someone tried to claim that I stole something and I didn't. And then people were trying to say that I got like arrested for it, which I also didn't. And what happened is, is that I ended up going to the going to the station to dispute what had occurred because long story short, I got scammed. That's what happened. I went to an audio, uh, I went to an electronics market to get my phone screen fixed. And while I was there, they're trying to sell me some uh, like e cigarette. And like I found out basically that the cigarette they're trying to sell me wasn't even functioning. So they got caught in their scam basically and were just like, all right, cool. Like you can keep it then. And I'm like, word. All right, cool. So I was just like, can you go get me one that actually works? And like, I'll pay for it. You know what I'm saying? And that's yeah. what they went to go do. And the girls were cool that were working there. But the dude that actually like ran the ran the, the shop, that was, I guess, like the one that's really behind all the scams and shit. He was getting kind of heated because I pointed it out. Like, yo, like, don't try to fucking scam me, my G. Like, you see the camera right there? That's why I tell everybody, I love the fact that everything is on camera in China. <laughs> CCTV is your friend. I mean, if you're not doing nothing wrong, like CCTV is your friend because it will, it will save your life as it has saved mine in this particular situation. So I was just like, yo, look, this shit is on, like this shit is on camera, my guy, like, what are you doing, you know? And he had like some game that was there. And I was like, yo, like, I really want to buy this game. And he's like, all right, well, it's 2000. And I was just like, all right, bet he's like well no no it's 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 six thousand. and i was like okay all right i mean like i could still do that and he's like you know what just 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 take it just take it and leave me alone i was like all right word bro like that so i was like about to i'm like i'm like about to pick it up and take it away and then the dude like in his homies they come and surround me right and they take me and they throw me on the floor so like a lot of folks in china will know like you know people like they fall out on the ground all the time to like try to get money and shit. So I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. In this, in this particular instance, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a just play the game just like they do. Fuck it. You did the punts of the thing. So they, so they, so when they <laughs> threw me, so when they threw me on the ground, I just stayed on the ground. Like I got hurt. You know what I'm saying? Cause I knew yeah. everything was going to be on the camera anyway. And I also know as a foreigner, you should never ever engage in a physical altercation with uh, uh, with the with the with the with the Chinese citizens, it's just not a good idea. Period. Just never yeah. ever for everybody. Just don't do it. Don't do there's, it. If there's somebody, some horror
0: stories. Yeah. yeah. If
1: somebody hits you, just stay down. And that's what I learned because there's other you know African American folks that have gotten into some some altercations in China and um, and ended up in prison because of it. You know. So I was just like, all right, word. I'm gonna stay down. Then like I was with two of my friends and the majority of the men that were around, they started to harass them, like, you know, like, why are you with this foreigner, do, 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 so they ended up calling,
0: girls, obviously, right,
1: yeah, my homegirl, so they called the police, right, and then the other, then the shop owners called the police, so the police are there, and we're talking with them, and they're just like, all right, cool, let's go back to the station and discuss this, right, now the 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 shop owners like weren't expecting me to even go to the station like they thought I was gonna be scared I was all right cool let's go, I was ready to go so we went to the station, sat down in the interrogation room explained my story, you know what happened, I'm leaving the room. This is when the this is where the video actually comes from so people think that oh like yo know, he got picked up and the shop it's like nah like that video is me leaving the police station so i'm leaving the police station and i was straight you know but the dude that had tried to set me up was the dude that had actually filmed the video and i'm not sure exactly like what happened because i don't i don't speak good chinese but he said something that excited the people around and the officers there basically was saying something on the lines of like you know it was more of a national pride sort of thing. Like, I can't accept the fact that you're allowing this guy to leave, um, even though I didn't do anything wrong, basically, based yeah. upon, you know, what happened. So in that moment, I just was like super scared because all of a sudden, like, you know, the cops are grabbing me and shit. And that's when they took me away, you feel me? Then shortly thereafter, after like <laughs> they actually went and- watched the video about an hour later, you know, they released me. Uh, And then the next day, I mind you, this whole time, I still don't have my phone because my phone was in that shop getting fixed still. (laughs) So I don't even know, like, so I don't even know that this shit went viral or anything like just the next day, you know, I start, after I get my phone, I start to see like all of this shit. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? And then that same day, the same day, like, the the head of the police, like he came to my house, you know what I'm saying, knocked on my door. He brought like a whole team with him, like all the dudes that were there at the station that previous night. And they're all like looking at their shoes and shit. And he was just like, yo, you know, we're we're really, really sorry about what happened. Like, you know, this this should have never happened X, Y, and Z. Like, can you just please come back with us and we'll file like a, a proper report as to like what occurred. So they drove me back there. And then afterwards they chauffeured me to the mall cuz I was, there, was like yo like where where, where do you, where do you want us to take you I was like yo I just got to get something to eat and they took me to the mall and then that was that so you know it was a it was a wild experience you feel me cuz also just like at that time like I just wasn't in my right I was going through I was through a manic episode you feel me like during this particular time too so I wasn't like really stable you know what I'm saying, in general. So that's yeah. why I was like so erratic, basically. But uh, but yeah, that's what happened. Um, and I would say like the the cool thing that came out of it was that I got to see like who my real homies were, because I had some people who just completely believe all the hype and they never came to me to hear like my side of the story. And then I have some straight up, like, ride or dies that were just like, yo, like, fuck all of that shit. Like, we with you. Like, I don't even need to hear the story. Type shit. Which is cool. Um, but the other random, the weirdest part about it is, is just, like, how much hate is in the expat community. It was just like, damn, like, niggas was really waiting for me to fail. Type shit. Because, like, cause like, people thought that I fell off. They thought that I was fucked up. You know what I'm saying? But I came up even harder. So, that was the that was the that was the beauty that I would say that came from the madness, I would say.
0: So the, the thing about the video that got everybody talking in, it, in the Chinese like blogosphere, you could say there's a lot of like blog posts about it in Chinese. The netizens. Yeah, well, it was the thing about being a Moor. Like the girl, one of the girls, one of your friends is saying Tasha Moore ran. Tasha Moore, I ran. He's a Moor. What was what was that about? So like. Um, At that particular
1: time, I was, like, pretty deep in the, like, the Moorish American movement. And since then, like, me and a lot of my friends, like, we've disassociated ourselves with the organization, but we still have a lot of, like, personal philosophies and, like, beliefs as far as that's concerned, just about being, um, being a person, (laughs) just being a human being. Um, Ironically, like, that's exactly what I was talking about, like, while I was, when I was you know, talking with the popo, basically the same shit, you know. Uh, Where are you from? Here, you know, the (laughs) earth. Like, where do you come from? My mother's
0: womb, where do you come from? So you got really new age on them.
1: Yeah, and they were just like, wait (laughs) a second, like, this dude's not a thread at all. Like, what are we, like, (laughs) this dude's actually, like, on, and, and at that particular time, like, I was definitely on another level, like you know I mean I was out there so they're just like all right word like this dude's not a threat at all he's just kind of weird but but he didn't do anything he's you know uh so as far as that's concerned like what I consider to be a more is just more is just the last the last noble title for melanated peoples before we okay. were given the misnomer of black essentially uh so that's so that's what I was saying like yeah I'm a more but does it mean that Moors have any sort of like rights than anyone else, like over anyone else? No, it's just that Moors like are, I would say in, they stand on their square as we say, and are more cognizant about their role and their place in society. And they they take a lot of pride in doing so. Now, the reason why like I'm not with the movement is for the same reason why like I'm no longer a Christian, you know, even though I do have a lot of beliefs that maybe are in line with them. It's just that I just don't want to be associated with the organization because there's just so much fuckery going on. So (laughs) that's what it is. I'm still like an independent person, you know, Um, in conversations, I use terms like black and African American with other folks. But personally, I don't use them. I, I deem them as misnomers and, and names that actually um, decrease or take away from one's personal status.
0: I've never actually heard that before. I don't. I don't know much about the the Moorish American movement. What I heard was that it was. It's it's kind of like this Hotep thing, where like black folks were in America before, like the European slave traders brought them over. Essentially, was is that is that part of the belief system or something, or is that something completely I mean, that's, different?
1: I mean, that's just the facts. You know, you can look that up. Okay. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a fact uh, that there are multiple, there are multiple. There's evidence of of a lot of different races um, existing in the United States before Europeans came. I was actually just reading this, uh, this document. It's called the uh, Mongolian Conquest of Peru by use of the elephant and mastodon. And there's there is there's uh, there's, um, there's evidence based on the the bones that they're able to find. Like in Peru. There's like straight up mastodons from Serbia in Peru. And there's lots of cultural connections between the Mongolian Empire and what happened in the Peruvian and in the Incan Empire. Um, and actually, well, not 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 directly, but uh with the Aztec Empire in particular. Um, so there was a direct influence and there's there's a lot of evidence to suggest that you know there were Mongolians that were in the Americas. There's there is a, in, I want to say in Boston or in Baltimore, you can look this up, it's called the Born Stone. And on the Born Stone, there is a ancient Phoenician writing um, from like the Carth- Carthaginian empire. Um, so that suggests that there are folks that are up there looking at like the Olmec heads and the like, you know, there's there's evidence that there were like, quote unquote, Negroid people. That were living in in the Americas, you know, centuries ago. Um, yeah, the Olmecs so have that
0: distinct look to them. Yeah, those heads. And if you
1: if you look at the back of their head, people normally don't show you, but they got braids down the back. Um, they got like cornrows down the back. Lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's even been there's even been like there's even there's, they've even excavated like Arabic writing. Um, on these like diff- in different um, areas in the United States, specifically like on the West Coast. Um, so there's so there's definitely a presence of of peoples coming to the United States or the state to the Americas as we know them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ever since antiquity.
0: All right. So we went pretty deep on that tangent uh, just to go back to the the whole expat world. Um, how would you describe China to somebody who's never there before? In your own kind of unique words. How'd I describe China? You know, I mean, people always ask like these really
1: blanket statements, like, yo, what's the weather like in China? And it's just like, (laughs) dog, it's like we're talking, right, we're talking about such an expansive landmass that has, you know, a wide diversity of, of climates and cuisines and people you know in terrain um so what i would just say is that china is china is for me a wealth of opportunity i feel that um if you're focused and if you have drive and ambition you can take that as far as you really want to within the limits of of
0: course like the system that currently exists like doing a show in tibet and Waving a giant photo of the Dalai Lama or something. Or something like yeah, you might want, you might not
1: want to do that, you know. But, but if you, but if you're in line with with the way that things are there, then you know there's there is a lot that you can do. And for an artist, I would say it's one of the best places, to be specifically um, as a person of color. Um, I would still say that like China has the most opportunity for for folks. And they've given they've given us so many, <laughs> so many um areas and and places to shine. And I know me personally, I've opened the door for a lot of other people to go ahead and, and do things in China, not just people that look like me, but foreigners in general. I was one of the first to be embraced as like a, a mainstream artist and um and also like as a model and having my my face out there. So you know, uh not that I'm like trying to take credit for it or anything, but it's just, I was there at the right, I was I was like a right place, right time kind of thing. And I was able to fully take advantage of that. And now I've, in only a few years later, I'm just seeing those doors been open to so many others.
0: Cool, so that, that kind of reminds me uh, of how how I met you. So I met you through a mutual friend. A guy named uh, Henry, but he his his artist name is Cruel Buddhist, and I actually used one of his songs for the intro. So um, nice. Have you worked Have you worked with him much? Yeah, like Henry and I, we have a we have EP together
1: called Cold Players, which has like the fan favorite Need My Love, which is like everybody's favorite track, like from the babies to the grandmamas. they love that track. All races, all creeds.
0: You feel me? Uh, yeah. So he definitely had some heat back in the day. Yeah. So he's still over in Shanghai. Um, are you? Are you trying to go back anytime soon? Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. That's why, I, like, I'm real careful about
1: all my responses. I'm trying to go back to China. <laughs> I have nothing negative to say about China.
0: You know what I'm saying? Okay. I won't bring up that that uh, controversial character again. In that case. <laughs> all right. Uh how about Chinese food? Like what what is what is something you like to eat over there? Like a, a dish or a particular cuisine. Mm,
1: I'm such a I'm so basic because I don't eat red meat, which like really disqualifies me from the majority of Chinese cuisine because I just love to put pork and shit. Yeah. Um
0: well, that's so the other white meat. It's
1: the, that's the other white meat, right? Yeah,
0: it's not it's not red meat, technically, but it's not white meat. And it's it's a lot of people don't eat pork, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm not, ai I don't eat the pork, so that's why I don't, um, I, I'm not able to enjoy many Chinese cuisines, but I still do enjoy hot pot, um, you know, it's just, I just do like more of a seafood hot pot or with, uh, with vegetables and chicken, I suppose, but like a daily thing for me, like I would say my go-to meal, like a cheap meal that's like healthy and I know I can get a little bit of everything is the um uh oh snap I'm forgetting the name right now off the top of my head. It is the oh my god how am I forgetting the name <laughs> right now oh this is bad. What's this it look bad. like? I'ma have to like you're gonna have to I'm gonna have to circle back on this one. <laughs> it's a it's similar. It's similar to hot pot, except you can just go ahead and you can choose all of the.
0: Oh, all you, do, the, yeah, you do it beforehand.
1: Yeah. Kind of cook it for you. And then you just put it in. Yeah. Malatong. Yeah, there it is. There we you go. You're going to have to edit this one out because I'm going to embarrass myself. <laughs>
0: That's OK. My f- You've been outside my the favorite,
1: It's like my favorite Chinese dish is malatong. Malatong is similar to hot pot in that When you enter into the restaurant, they have a big freezer or like refrigerator that is with a lot of different vegetables and frozen meats and the like. You go ahead and you pick the ingredients that you want. You put them in a bowl, you like choose your noodle as well. You can choose your broth. I often go with like a spicy broth. You give that to the person, they weigh it up. And then that's, you know, how much it actually ends up costing you. And normally like a a hefty bowl, Only going to cost you like three or four dollars um and they go ahead and they cook that for you bring it out to you and there's also another station where you can kind of make your own sauces um where you can go ahead and so then when you come back to your table eat your food you can dip the meat or whatever the veggies in the sauce and enjoy it super cheap i would say it's like slightly healthy like you can pick healthy shit to put in it but maybe the actual the grease and the oil from the uh, from the the from the broth is not the healthiest, but uh, but it makes me feel healthy, you know. So, yeah, depending yeah. on where Mama's you on. go,
0: depending on where you go in China, too, the quality of the oil could really differ. You know, it could be gutter yeah. recycled gutter oil in some places, like where I used to live yeah. in Nanjing. I'm sure I consumed a lot of that. Shanghai is a little bit better about that kind of stuff, though. So. Mm-hmm.
1: and i used to like
0: a lot of the street
1: food that they had in shanghai but um so street food is pretty prevalent in the most you know small cities and even larger cities but over the past few years they've really there's really been a crackdown in shanghai for street food just because a lot of that stuff is unregulated and it's not checked so and it, and it does have the possibility to be like you know, very dangerous as far as like what ingredients people are, are, are substituting and using. Um so they've definitely like put a stop to a lot of the 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 street food in like very populous areas.
0: Yeah when so I that moved over sucks. there when I moved over there in two thousand eight it was so different to what it is now. it they've really it's really been nerfed in a lot of ways. Like from real gun mm. to nerf gun or something, you know, it's like it's very uh <laughs> It's a lot tamer, you could say, than it used to be. Mm. I, I would but, say yeah.
1: that I like when I came to China. I was like right on, I was like riding the last wave of like just the the free for all. I would. Say. What year? What year was that again?
0: Twenty sixteen. Yeah, I would say that that was <laughs> yeah, that was around the time when things really started to change. I mean, it was it was okay. I'm not gonna get into it too much because you want to go back to China. I was gonna bring up uh, the Chinese. <laughs> I, already you, I already know what
1: you. already know what you was gonna talk about.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm not afraid for myself, but yeah, I don't want to ruin any chances you have. Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, I know. I know the first time that we met, you know, we were chilling at your office space, watching right? TV. Yeah.
0: You know, that was. Yeah. So you guys were recording enjoying uh, some tea. <laughs> yeah. So you guys were recording uh, like a live stream, enjoying uh, some was, green tea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if you will. So. <laughs> You, you all were doing something with Pyro Music. That's like a, a music platform in China. I don't know. Is that still yeah.
1: around? Uh, like everyone that I know there is gone. Okay. At Pyro. So. The app still exists, but uh, the company as it existed then doesn't.
0: It's no longer a thing. So yeah, this was like 2016, 2017. That, that would have been
1: 2017, yeah. 2017. It would have been like January or February of 2017.
0: Yeah, their studio was was like up the block from my office in Hong Kong District. So afterwards, we had like a little after party in my office and, you know, we were the only ones there. It was good times. But uh, yeah, you could get away with a lot of crazy shit that I won't talk about on the podcast that, <laughs> that we might have done, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. Uh, all right. So, so one thing I like being abroad, uh, I like about being an expat is that I meet a lot of weird people overseas, like a lot of other expats that are strange and it's almost like collecting characters you know uh in your life and not everybody likes that though some people like to just avoid a lot of these characters but who are some of like the weirdest people you'd say you'd meet who are foreigners overseas
1: oh man like one of my homies he's not gonna be mad if i talk about him but my boy migs he's just like a fucking character dog uh Miggs is also, he's a rapper. He's just like known to just freestyle at will um, at any given time and to no avail. And I've seen this cat just straight up freestyle for like hours, like straight. Um, We like, sometimes we go out and there'd be like, you know, a street performer at night and they, they have their little karaoke machine out there and he would just hop on and just start going. You know what I'm saying he's he's just a fucking character he was a really brazen individual as well that you know wasn't afraid to do certain things in certain places <laughs> so like uh yeah that dude that dude is is certainly a character certainly a character like wild motherfucker. uh
0: does he have like a social media handle <laughs> you could you could plug for him
1: faces Migs you know shout out my boy faces Migs you know he's not in China anymore he's back. He's back in his hometown. Uh, but yeah. Uh y- y'all can go ahead and follow him at Faces Mix. Yeah.
0: How about like the weirdest thing you encountered abroad? Like the weirdest experience or craziest. It could be positive, weirdest, negative. Doesn't matter.
1: The weirdest, craziest experience, y'all. So many. <laughs> so, like so many. Uh a story that I told. Like recently, that I feel like I can I can talk about. I was in Ninja, which is another like underground hip hop venue in Shanghai, and I was there chilling with one of my homies who, um, actually I kind of referred to him earlier when I was talking when you asked me about like artists that I've worked with. He was the manager of this particular artist. Okay, we're chilling. And Ninja actually like at that time he was about to we we're about he was about to sign me you know what I'm saying so we were celebrating and shit. I'm like by the bathroom like smoking a cigarette, uh, and the Chinese dude like comes up to me and is just like, "Yo, like can I get some blow?" You know. And then like I'm like, "What? Like what the fuck is wrong with you?" And and then my and then my homie and my Chinese homie is just like, "Yo, not all black people sell drugs." Bow just knocked this nigga out like boom like one punch i was like oh shit i was like yo we gotta go bro like we gotta go like so i like i run out the club right and we're outside and like my homie's still like pretty trashed you know but like you know if you ever get into an altercation, you know, adrenaline is high. So he's like all amped up and he's ready to go. Like, he's like, yo, I'm going back in there. I'm about to beat this motherfucker. I was like, nah, bro, you did what you did, dog. Let's go. You feel me? Like, let's get the fuck out of here. So I'm trying to calm him down on the street. So like, he's going wild. Like I'm holding on to him, trying to like, keep him, keep him in check. Now the onlookers see us and they think that I'm fighting him. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So they started, they they starting to get like buck. I'm just like, yo, 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 like, yo, why me? Like, yo, this is my brother. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, it's all good. We don't want no beef. We don't want no, we don't want no stat. We don't want no static. And I kid you not, bro. Like, this is like just some Shanghai shit. Like my other homie, he happens to pull up on the corner, like around the corner in his fucking scooter. And he just sees me. And I'm like, yo, my nigga, he's just like, tone, hop on, <laughs> boom, boom, out, gone. You feel me? Gone.
0: Yeah.
1: End up like at the club. We go to labor Room. At labor Room, to bring the shit back full circle again, my homie, Kino beats the producer. He's there. And he's like, yo, Tone, like, yo, you really from Detroit? I heard you beat a nigga ass at the club. I was like, yo, how do you know that? Like, <laughs> I just, like, I was like, I just got here. Like, what's going on? Um, and he's just like, yo, like you out here, my nigga? Like, oh, and I was just like, nah, bro. Like, it's not that deep. Uh, that was a pretty, that was a pretty wild, wild scenario. Again, like one of those cases where like, I didn't I didn't want to put myself in danger. You know what I'm saying? cuz I didn't do anything wrong but it was just the fact that I was around, you know.
0: Yeah. And all it takes all it
1: takes is one person to be like, "Oh, the black guy did it," you know, and regardless of whatever else happened, you know, they're just gonna gonna kind of side with them. So that that's like a that's not um that's something that can definitely be improved upon, I would say. Something that I'm not so proud of as far as like how things are handled um, you know, over there, but but yeah, that was a narrow escape. That was pretty say.
0: wild. <laughs> That's such a Shanghai story, too, with all the the all the gossip where the news spreads so fast. It's like the, the so power fast. of those the power of those like WeChat how? groups. It's <laughs> those so WeChat wow. groups, man. All that expat gossip just like circulates through group after group.
1: I can tell you another one too, real quick. Yeah. Also has to do with the altercation. It was funny. Um <laughs> Cause you because you know the homie too so I don't think he cares if I if I if I talk about it. Okay. Uh so I was with my boy Luciano, right? All right, yeah. And yeah. and we're we're coming back from you know a night out. And I just remember like we were leaving the club and he was just faded and he's like twerking on me like at the club like as we're leaving the bar. And I was trying to like talk to this girl and I was like, dog, what are you doing, bro? Like Like, I was like, dog, you're ruining my swag right now, G. I pushed him off of me, whatever. When we got in the car, like, we just started, like, going back and forth, you know? I didn't know, like, how shit-faced he was, because he's, like, a pretty coherent, like, blackout person. Like, if I'm blackout, like, I'm just slumped. Like, I'm just asleep. Like, I won't be able to maintain, like, a real conversation. Like, you'll know I'm gone. But he was pretty coherent, you know? We're talking. And we're arguing, like, in the car, like, you know, we're both you know feeling ourselves and shit nigga when i get out i'm whooping your ass yeah nigga i dare you so we hop we hop out the cab and you know immediately we start fighting you know just on the street like he pushes me i push him he falls down etc right now this was the wild part so like we're fighting and then we're just and then we stop fighting and then we start fighting about why we're fighting basically and i'm just like i'm I'm like i'm like no nigga you said you was gonna put your hands on me so i pushed you but no no but but you can't put your hands on me do 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 and i'm like yo nigga you touch me first no you touch me first all right fuck it let's ask them let's see what they got to say about it you know what i'm saying and there was just a group of chinese chinese men mind you this is like two or three in the morning it's like there's like there's like 12 chinese homies sitting down outside of a restaurant, like in those, with those little tiny plastic chairs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they've all got their, their Qingdao's, the big bottles of Qingdao, which is like the most popular beer in China, but it like, it's a big ass bottle, you know, like a 20 ounce, basically yeah. they've got their, they've got their Qingdao bottles there. And I'm like, man, ask them, ask them. And one of them turns around and in perfect English was like, ask us what, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, they just pull out the bottles, bro. Turn them upside down. Like, they about to charge us. They about to beat our ass. And like, you know, me and Lucci, like, we looked at each other and we were just like, yo, we good. That. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> we sprinted, sprinted, got into the apartment, like, is able to close the door and shit. And then, like, you know, kissed and made up on our way upstairs to the to the apartment, just like, yo, oh, my God. Like, again, another narrow escape. My bad, bro. I love you. I don't mean to, I don't mean to fight with you. It ain't worth it.
0: <laughs> That's pretty weird. So <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I never had that that was another where, where the Chinese guys uh, responded to English and actually want to fight. Never really had many problems word. with people over there. Yeah, they were ready to scrap
1: at that particular moment. So we got the funk on up out of there. Cause like I said, don't fight in China. Just don't do it. Yeah. Just Don't do it. You can fight foreigners though. They don't care. But Don't <laughs> fight.
0: Never fight don't, a Chinese person. Bro. Don't fight a Chinese person. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not worth it. All right, man. Um, do so it. we've been on for a bit like over an hour. Uh, I think we could wrap it up pretty soon. Is there anything you want to plug before we go off the air?
1: Yeah, man, just wanted to plug, uh, follow me, follow me on Instagram, at Tone Twisted. Um, I've got a lot of really dope shit coming out this year, not just for me personally, but uh, through my my company, Maxim Worldwide. So we're doing a lot of different shit with a lot of artists all over the world. You know, um, like I said, being the bridge between China and the United States, but also just internationally in general, and I'm signing some artists and representing them um globally as well so just really excited to show what they have to offer Um, and yeah like i said you know trying to get back into the country and you know um, spread this culture in in a very positive way so one of the things i'm working on right now is like a hip-hop based english curriculum that can be used um for like high school or university at the university level um that will be taught in china and then hopefully i'll be able to expand that to the united states as well and be able to teach that like or at least have that curriculum so that it can be disseminated um across a lot of different high schools um and universities like here in the states specifically in like underprivileged disadvantaged communities because i've been doing a lot of research on just like how hip-hop based education actually can help like improve literacy levels and the like because um it gives students like a topic and a theme to focus on that they're like genuinely interested in so they can learn those hard skills like research, presentation, essay writing through the lens of like, all right, go do a research project on Eminem or annotate these song lyrics by Tupac and let me know what that means to you. Um, So that's something that I've been working on like in the background. And I started that in China because I had the opportunity to teach a hip hop history course as an elective um, at one of the private schools that I was lecturing at.
0: Oh, cool!
1: So they, that's what everybody, I'm working everybody with.
0: likes to rhyme as well. Like I got a six-year-old son, and he loves to just make rhymes, uh, not yeah, rapping, bro. but just rhyme words together. And if you're learning English, that sounds like that sounds like fun. Hell yeah! Cool. Um, you know, I could I could play your music video when we write. Is that is that cool? Like, cause it hasn't released yet.
1: Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Like this is All this right. is for the this is for the world to see. This is uh yeah, psycho, um, produced by my boy Mangazi from from Mozambique. Uh filmed by my homie Matthew Peacock. He's originally from the UK and uh edited by my buddy No Camera MP3, that's okay. based in Germany. So again, uh, just kind of showing just like you know, the it's just the beauty that can happen on a global scale when it comes to to art in general. So check this out. I directed it. I did the anime oh I made the cartoons. My homie did the animation.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's pretty wild shit. So I'll I'll play it uh I gotta do it in post because you know the the we have the big software that's fine. up so uh,
1: yeah, yeah that's fine. So it's
0: not like the audience needs to know every detail but like yeah we're just doing this on Zoom and I gotta I gotta wrap put everything together afterwards. Well anyways man thanks for coming on and we'll play that video uh at the end of this and uh cheers dude uh good luck getting back to china good luck with all your projects and your music and thanks for thank coming. you my god thank you so much for having me Ain't shit, niggas can't take it Basic bitch,
1: you ain't just face it I be so brazen, don't give a damn what they say.